If you think like, act like, or are trying to grow like a franchise, then the Franchise Euphoria podcast is for you. Hello and welcome everybody, Josh Brown here, and I created this podcast for one main goal, to help people who are trying to grow their business through franchising or franchise-like structures. I've been practicing law now as a franchise lawyer for many, many years, and I've seen it done the right way and the wrong way. This podcast is not filled with a bunch of legal mumbo jumbo. Rather, I talk with real people, people who have been there, have done it, are doing it right now. And I also dive deep into specific topics related to franchising. So if this is of interest to you, you are at the right place. So on today's episode of Franchise Euphoria, I'm thrilled to uh, welcome back uh, Jamie Isaacs. Jamie is uh, the president and uh, one of the founders of All Points PR, which is a PR and marketing company out of Chicago that focuses exclusively on working with emerging franchisor companies. And so he has a lot of experience in helping new and growth-minded franchisors work their way through a growth strategy. And as part of this uh, series on the enduring franchise system, I really thought Jamie would be a perfect fit to do a deep dive into identifying the marketability of your franchise uh, system, which is all part of that acronym DAMS, the data analysis, marketability, and scalability of your system. And so there's nobody I could think of who can come on and do a better job than Jamie in talking through what that means for different franchise system as he has lived it and breathed it and done it for so many years now with a ton of different franchise groups. So hope you enjoy this interview with Jamie. Hey, Jamie, how's it going? It's great. We're uh, loving the winter. <laughs> you sound just like a, a typical Chicagoan in the middle of the winter time in a blizzard. <laughs> I feel like it's been a perpetual blizzard for the the month of February. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you for during a blizzard coming back on. Obviously, you've been on the show before talking about PR and marketing, and uh, you're a go-to with your company, All Points PR, that's based in Chicago, but works with franchise or clients across the country. I specifically thought about you to talk about one very specific topic of marketing and marketability of a new and emerging franchise system. So I'm working on a, a a series for my podcast that focuses on that. And I'm trying to get some outside experts on that. And I thought, man, Jamie Isaacs has to be the man to go to to talk about this. So I know we've got about 25 minutes. And so I want to dive right in. Okay. When you're working with a new franchisor company and you're trying to position them to have the best opportunity for success, and to be in the best position to grow. What are some of the things that you look to do, look to find out? What are some of the things that they need to do to help position themselves to be able to grow? Josh, thanks for having me on again and, and for your trust in, in my opinion. So that's appreciated. And, and to address your, your question here, where do we focus to really position an emerging franchisor so that they can build that lead flow or, or at least that interest within their franchise is to really look at the successes that got them to this point. 
you don't have typically a franchisee to validate the concept. So that's obviously a huge component when you've got great franchisee validation. But let's say that doesn't even exist at this point. You're really looking at what has made them successful up to this point. And typically that's going to be uh, a loyal fan following in their initial market, uh, whether that's a, a B2C concept or a, a B2B concept. So you, you can lean on that type of marketing uh, to get some validation because it means that they're in demand by their client base. So you think about those kind of opportunities to turn to their, their client base. Uh, and then you look for proven profitability or, or some kind of performance uh, indication that shows that they've grown their business or have exceeded uh, the industry averages in their vertical industry. So we're, we're looking for those kind of things. We're clinging to the important elements that a franchise prospect will look to. Of course, within the legal limits of franchising of what you can and cannot share from a financial standpoint, but anything that will validate in those early marketing stages is what we're looking for. Um, and, and that's what we dig into. And we exploit that, so to speak, through an integrated approach that elevates these, these attributes uh, that make the brand attractive. So we'll do that through PR, through social media, through email marketing, website content, all these things that really create the look and feel of something that, that someone's investing their life into essentially uh, for at least 10 years usually. So we have to really illuminate those elements that are credible and validating to someone that will potentially invest uh, a significant piece of their lifetime into it. Yeah. When you talk about social media and you talk about PR, they kind of flow into one another. They kind of get merged within one another a little bit. When you guys work on PR, you know, the public relations side, are you mostly focused on earned media, you know, uh, relationships that you have depending on you know, where the franchisor is, where they want to be, where they want to attract franchisees and trying to combine a digital approach, you know, through social media and otherwise, along with getting other whether it's reporters or outfits or parties, whatever the case may be, to also be at the same time putting out information about that franchisor and what they're doing. I mean, is that how you guys approach it? Well, that's a, a, a significant part of it. I mean, we, we really have these four core pillars of our business that, you know, the leading edge of PR today is a mix of elements. Public relations has this mix of earned media, which is the publicity that you're referring to, that the traditional PR. It has owned media, which are things like emails to uh, individuals that are within your uh, database already, within your CRM. So that's kind of content marketing, we call that. You've got the blogging part of it, that's owned media. Organic social media is really owned media. And then you have paid media, things like digital advertising on social media and, uh, and Google. And those things are really all part of PR at this point. They're also part of other forms of marketing, but PR has adopted portions of them to elevate that public relations component. And because PR 
writes so well. PR is always kind of turned to as the writing experts within organizations and at the agency level. We've been able to, in PR, uh, blend into it a very effectively social media. It's meant that we've had to employ people that really understand graphic design and how to do that and digital marketing too. So PR has evolved to include these elements. And for an emerging concept, uh, you know, their ability to look and talk the game is extremely important, right? And, and that's kind of what I was trying to get at with my initial answer to your first question is you've got to show this brand that you're emerging into franchising with as a very credible business that will draw a demand from whatever your market segment is. And the best way to do that is to blend this marketing mix because you have to connect with your audience several different ways. If you're just going to use PR, you're going to miss out on maybe two thirds of the audience. If you're just going to use social media, you're going to miss out on another segment of the audience. So by mixing these things in a cost effective way that presents your emerging concept as something that is bigger than what it really is, because that's essentially what you have to do. You have to show yourself as a brand worth investing in. And that brand has to demonstrate itself just like any other investment that your prospect is thinking about getting into. So it has to look the part. And that's what mixing these things does. And uh, that that's what I'm referring to here, uh, Josh, is it's not just about PR. It's about all these things coming together in franchising to create the perception of something that's worth investing your livelihood into. I mean, what what are some of the biggest things that you see that that businesses that either are trying to become a franchise or have already become a franchise and now they're trying to grow? What are some of the biggest things that you see that are mistakes that they're making, you know, at the outset? Because we all see them. You see them all the time and you just kind of go, man, I wish they could have tweaked this or they could. You have to see that all the time with the businesses that you're working with. I think it's trying to do the things that I'm talking about without really having the budget and infrastructure to do it. Yeah, those are two problems, right? I mean, you got to address that. Right. But I mean, what do you do about that? But you you know, franchising is filled with ambitious entrepreneurs, which is why we all love it, right? We love it because of the ambition that's there, the excitement that comes from building something from the ground up and creating a brand that could potentially expand coast to coast, north to south, and then into new countries too. So that, that's what kind of energizes all of us in franchising. It's these amazing success stories that started typically from someone's kind of passion project and turned into a brand that the nation sure. believes in. So that's why we do it. But, you know, far too often entrepreneurs that, that, that delve into franchising don't have the human capital within their business to handle the growth. And at the same time, don't have the financial capital to fund what it takes. Franchising is the long road. It is not a get rich quick scheme. You know, once some entrepreneurs get a taste of success, they think this thing is franchisable, whatever it might be. And then they, um, you know, believe and kind of drink their own Kool-Aid without getting the proper guidance to build the infrastructure and, uh, you know, good or bad, they get they, they look into franchising, they get someone to help them franchise their business, they build an operations manual, and then they, they try to, um, you know, sell the franchise. And, and oftentimes they do, but they're just not built to sustain it. How do you assess a market? I mean, you know, this, um, you know, one of the things I always like to focus on and speak to a little bit is that in order, you know, at a baseline, you know, for you to have any shot 
of being successful as a franchise, you've got to have a provably viable system. And the way that you get that is through looking at the data, uh, through analyzing the data, you know, you're gathering the data, analyzing the data. You have a clear idea of what your market is or what your marketability prospects are. And then you have a way or at least an approach to scale it. You know, you have to have all those things in place to have any shot at franchising. And as we talk about today on the marketing and marketability side, you know, it's it's a lot easier, right? When you come in and somebody's already got a whole number of franchisees under their belt and you can kind of see what's worked, what hasn't worked. But when you're looking at a blank canvas, you know, Jamie, I talked to a lot of people who, if they're not registered in certain registration states and they want to avoid those for the time being, they say, well, we want to market this everywhere else. And you know, I'm not a marketing expert, but my philosophy is why do that? Why don't you pick some areas that are relatively close by to you that have similarities to the geographic regions from which you have had success and go target those areas, you know, and figure out how many of your franchise businesses you can put in those areas first and forget about everything else. You know, forget about trying to be everything to all people and trying to think and not restrict yourself at all and really kind of focus in on the areas that are in your backyard. You know, to me, that seems like a a logical way to approach marketing, especially when you're first getting started. What what do you think about that? So here's where I'm a little bit, I can differ a little bit in that opinion is, so think about the number of people that can afford to franchise financially, all right? And that number gets even smaller when you think about the number of people that have the operational capacity to do a franchise business, whatever it might be. Um, And then, you know, slice it even further when you consider, um, you know, those that even want to do it, right? So, I mean, it's an infinitely smaller number than marketing, um, you know, a, a product or service, whatever it might be, to find someone to sure. sell a franchise to. It's, it's a needle in a haystack, essentially. As long as you have distribution, you know, if it's if it's a product or or let's just say, you know, if your business requires products, as long as you have distribution and no barriers to that distribution, I think the, the wider you can go, the better if you have distribution and support available. And, and businesses are finding all these new ways of supporting franchisees through technology. So, you know, that's getting easier right now in terms of, of terms of selling your franchise into territories that maybe you hadn't thought of before. We've seen restaurants achieve this in new ways now, too, with ghost kitchens and kind of community kitchens. So it's like the, the barriers to expansion are actually coming down. Now, you do have some distribution issues that still create some barriers. Now, when we talk about marketing, why I think the, the bigger the audience, the better is because of the audience. It's so small, it's such a small franchise audience in, in, in reality. Now, that audience fluctuates a little bit depending on the economy, right? When the economy tanks, people get into franchising a bit more because they want to grab hold of their destiny. Um, when the economy is thriving, franchising uh, doesn't shrink all that much, but it might shrink a little bit because people are very happy in their jobs. But the desire to franchise one's business and to restrict it geographically to, let's just say, neighboring a neighboring state, a neighboring county, a neighboring town, I think is, is becoming less and less important because of 
uh, technology that's facilitating training, facilitating um, smaller boxes, so to speak, to operate a business. And when it comes to marketing it, the franchise opportunity into a wider area, digital makes that more affordable and possible. So I love the wider the audience, the better, but you do have these issues that I don't disagree with at all, which come down to training and distribution and policing a little bit your brand because you don't want to um, you know, threaten the, the meaning and uh, equity of your brand. You know, it's a difficult question, but from a marketing standpoint, when you were talking about the needle in the haystack, I'd rather have a bigger audience, to be honest. See, this is why I'm having you on, man. <laughs> Because <laughs> I mean, that makes a whole lot of sense. And, and it goes against a little bit, obviously, what I was saying for sure. But I think it makes a whole lot of sense in terms of the use of technology. But tell me this, you know, and, and this may tie into the scalability side into an area that goes outside of marketing, but I think they go hand in hand. Your job as a marketing and PR company and you helping the clients is to get this out to as many people as possible who fit the bill, right? Right. You got to get it out to people you want, because to your point, right? I mean, it's already a smaller audience and, you know, you want to get it out to as many people as possible because you increase your chances of the franchisor making a sale and so forth. But how do you butt that up against the notion or the idea that a franchisor can grow too fast, right? You get the opportunity. Let's say they don't have the financial restraints. What is the right way or how do you deal, I guess, in your experience with, you know, trying to get it out? to as many people as possible, get the word out, build the brand up, find the right people to get on the bus, and also trying to, I guess, make sure that they have the support operationally to, to support that growth. We're, we have a, a great case study right now. And, you know, I, I can't mention any names, but, you know, we work with a brand that um, when we met them in February of last year, exactly a year ago at the IFA convention. Right before COVID. <laughs> yes. I mean, literally a year ago, right? We're, we're just about on that exact spot. And they had um, a handful of locations, but had all the pedigree of growing a franchise. And, and I'll just kind of leave it at that. You know, fast forward to right now, and they've sold over 50 units and are opening. They're about at 50 units open right now. And that's fast. That's really fast. That's really fast. And there's no way you can scale an infrastructure, right, to support that. I don't think, you know, they, they were definitely not scaled, you know, internally to do that. I'm not talking about this isn't like one of those franchise umbrella companies that's got seven other brands underneath it. Yeah. It was the, the, the entrepreneur had the pedigree of growing a business and the entrepreneur was successful in doing that but didn't have the infrastructure to support all that. So what happens most often is that, and I think you know this, Josh, is the franchisees are the ones that get upset. Well, not only do they get upset, they get screwed a lot of times, right? I mean, it's not just about being upset. I mean, it's, and, and I don't know what company this is, but I know for a fact there's another company and I, I even had them on my podcast. The president had reached out and we talked all about it, but there's another company that Cycle Bar is an example. And they came on because when they first grew, they grew really, really fast and they didn't get it right. Right. And they, they had franchisees signing up for two larger spaces and those early franchisees really got screwed. So absolutely. That's what you're talking about, right? That can happen, right? 
I mean, I, I, I'm not saying the, the franchisees are getting screwed. I don't know that. I just know that they're not maybe getting the internal support that they should be. And, and if that means they got screwed, you know, that, that yeah, could Those be. are my words, not yours. <laughs> okay. So, but I know they're upset. And sometimes that comes out on us. You know, we're doing our best to be that resource that, that our client wants us to be. But, you know, th- that's that's the downside. Now, kudos to the franchisor in some regard, because- they have a good problem, I think. It's it's only been nine months, let's say, and you know they're doing their best. I think they have the best interest, and we don't want to align ourselves with people that are just selling a bill of goods, right? Like we actually think that they sure. have, they have a good business model and they have the pedigree of doing great things. The concern is that now they need to scale their business, and I think we got ourselves into a situation where we're trying to do our best, but. Our human capital, frankly, isn't set up to be everything to that franchisor either. And without internal you know, resources in the franchisor side, now we're more than just what we signed up to be to them. And we want to keep our franchisees happy, or it's actually their franchisees. We want their franchisees to be happy, who, by the way, we don't really contract with necessarily. Our relationship is typically with a franchisor. But if they're happy, the franchisors are happy. Exactly. So, you know, it it can get a little sticky when you grow too fast as an emerging brand. Do you think that that is worth the risk? And 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 I think it's a and I don't know the answer to it. You know, and I I, I mentioned a minute ago Cycle Bar, and I'm not picking on them. I mean, you know, we talked about that whole scenario and how they grew too fast, and and they did a lot of things to to rectify that way right. down the road. My my only point being is that. At some point, if you're growing too fast, something has to give, right? Yeah, I mean, I think in this case, you know, Cycle Bar clung to a trend given, um, you know, their, I don't know this to be the case, but given their infrastructure and the leadership that they had, they had probably a good amount of muscle to make this thing grow fast. And they were, they were getting in in a trendy franchise model. The client that I'm referring to, frankly, is not in a sexy industry at all. Uh, was taken by surprise at their success, frankly. And they say that to us today. Like, this is going faster than we ever thought it could or would. And um, it's a fine problem to have, but, it, you know, they're, they're not saying this, but it is getting them into a little bit of trouble with franchisee satisfaction. Cycle Bar, like I said, was, you know, smart enough to make some adjustments at some point and, and right the ship. Um, and I think every every reliable, responsible franchise does do that. Um, and hopefully it doesn't get them into too much trouble before they get to that point. Yeah. But do you think that, and this is, you know, it's interesting because I think it's more of a philosophical question. I mean, I know with franchisors, it's sort of, I, I've never met a franchisor that doesn't want to grow their franchise fast ever. <laughs> I've never met one. I, I, I don't know if you have, because I think at the end of the day, you know, they look at the uh, investment that they make into the franchise system. They're, as you said, these are passionate entrepreneurs who typically have started something that's now caught on and they just want to get it out to everybody that they can. And I think that that's wonderful. And I think that that's probably music to your ears as well on the marketing side. I just have always wondered, how do you balance that? Is there even a way to balance it? Or does it just purely matter, like in the case that you're talking about, where you know, your client didn't even expect it. And it's all of a sudden happening in in a maybe a much more organic type way. And at the end of the day, there is a part of me that understands that, you know, if you have the sales and you are selling more than you think, 
then the money shouldn't be an issue. And it's more about making sure that you have the right people or the right abilities to get the right people in place. And usually you can do that pretty fast. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't disagree with you. Um, I think the franchisors that are, are set up to achieve um, strong growth typically aren't in you know a ton of financial issues. Uh, they just aren't, they're not resourced properly from a human capital standpoint, or maybe even a talent standpoint as well. So the opportunities are there for a, a, a franchisor to do it right. And if you hold back on the growth a little bit, um, you're more likely to achieve franchisee satisfaction. You know, it's up to a franchisor to really decide, you know, do they want to put their foot on the pedal early and then make up, you know, for some uh, upset franchisees? Or, or do you want to keep it steady and in control? You know, I, I don't know the right answer to that, to be honest with you, Josh, because you don't want to miss the opportunity either. It also depends on what your goals are, because sometimes the goal is literally to build it up to attract VCs right. and other investors. And of course, if you want to do it that way, your, your goal is you want to go as fast as possible. Right. If you have no goal of that, right? If your goal is, hey, I just want to build this thing up and you know, going to pass it on, keep it in the family, sort of that thing, then maybe those goals change, right? I mean, yeah. it just all depends on what you're what you're looking for. I want to ask you something because I know we've only got we may be over here by a minute or two, but if you got another couple minutes, I think you'd be perfect to answer this this sort of last question. That I think it's important. Marketing, we always think about you know when you're working with a franchisor. I think the average person might think, okay, you're just literally working on big, large, national or regionalized campaigns. But talk a little bit about the importance of of grand openings and how you can leverage marketing through the franchisees to help build the brand, um, where you sort of have a combination of national branding efforts versus very localized efforts for that particular franchisee, if that makes sense. I mean, any momentum that's happening within a franchise system creates an opportunity to promote the franchise opportunity. You know, you have to do it in a way that doesn't cannibalize the interests of the franchisee, right? You don't want to steal their thunder in that moment. So the opportunity that the grand opening presents is, um, you know, utilize it to promote the franchise in the local market by strategically getting that word franchise into some of the communications, whether it be a press release train your franchisee even to talk about it as a franchise investment. It kind of offers the opportunity for uh, the news to discuss that this was a, a story of someone's transition into franchise or expanding their portfolio in franchising. Um, you know, you can create talking points for that. Maybe the franchisor has an opportunity to be interviewed also to tell the same thing. And then you, from a franchisor standpoint, you use this opening in trade media, in franchise and restaurant trade media. So you have a lot there to take from the opening to expose this as a franchise. You can utilize this as a launching pad for other forms of marketing too. Um, you know, franchisees in most cases want to see the brand grow too. They want to see other franchisees in 
neighboring towns in, in other parts of the state and eventually in other parts of the country. So in an emerging concept, especially like we're trying to talk about here, they love seeing other franchisees open up. So in most cases, if handled right, you can you know discuss it with the franchisee to talk about their experience in the um, opening and process to becoming a franchisee and the whole build out, if that's what it is, whatever the opening process was like, talk about that, get them to um, discuss their experience and about the type of uh, professional background that they bring to their investment now. And that gives a ton of opportunity to talk about franchising and give that idea to other individuals who see themselves just as this franchisee within your franchise system sees herself or himself. And I can tell you, we have had many franchisors tell us that that kind of story, just like that, helped them sell franchises and got a ton of great leads because a story like that ran in their local newspaper or ran in trade publication and, and then provided a platform for many other types of marketing tactics to take shape. I think that's a really good point. And I think that being that the franchisees who come into these emerging brands where perhaps they're the first franchisee or maybe they're, you know, the first handful, they have to be going in with their eyes wide open too, right? And they understand that part of that interest is an opportunity that is a bit more risky than going with a franchise that's been around for a long time, just like with any business, right? But what they're betting on is what's to come. So you're right. I mean, they do. They want that franchise system to grow. And so I do think part of that responsibility, a large part of that is, hey, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Franchisee, you understand. And there's an open line of communication from the franchisor that, yes, we've got systems in place. Yes, this is our plan for growth. But we're learning as we go as well. And and everybody has to kind of understand that and be a part of that. And I think that can help alleviate some of the growing pains as well, because if the franchisees have a clear understanding of that, that they go in with their eyes wide open as well. Yeah. I mean, getting in early has a, a lot of benefits, if, especially from a marketing standpoint, you're going to get a ton of attention and and uh, you're the reason why other people may invest in the franchise. That's right. Because you're going to be a great validator for the concept. So we always, from a marketing standpoint, talk to our clients about, let's make sure this initial group of franchisees is, you know, given the Cadillac of marketing right now, because not that, you know, future ones will get any less of an effort, but it's a different type of effort when they're brand new and it has other intentions. So we understand that and talk a lot about that with our clients uh, and they get it too, frankly, it's, it's a pretty clear um, understanding about the importance of new franchisees in a smaller franchise system and uh, how to give them, you know, a really special experience because of what that means to your franchise brand. As a final question to you, Jamie, before you go, in your ideal world, when would a client come to you? I mean, when would these new franchisors come to you so that you could be in the best position to help them succeed? I mean, I know it's certainly got to be somewhat case by case, but how soon either after they're turned into a franchise or before they fully become a franchise, does it ideally make sense for them to reach out to All Points PR? It depends on on the infrastructure, to be honest with you. You know, we don't want to be the reason why, you know, if a franchise is coming in on kind of like a shoestring budget and they don't have a reasonable franchise offering, we don't want to be their only platform for expanding their business. Sure. Um, it's just, it's it's not a good position for us to be in. 
emerging franchisors come from in a variety of shapes and sizes, right? Like we're working with one right now that's actually been in business for 20 years. They're an emerging franchisor, but they have 20 years of success behind them. That's a fine relationship for us because they've got infrastructure, they've got a, a significant business, they have dedicated a whole division to taking on franchising now. That works really well. But for you know a brand that doesn't have any sort of history and no business starting to franchise, uh, that's a very difficult client for us and one that is not ready for us, frankly, because they don't have a proven system at this point, right? And, and I'm sure you've, like the importance of proving your concept out over a number of years usually is needed in order to franchise. We want to see a proven concept that has a somewhat significant infrastructure to uh, work with us, to work with the the implications of our work, which is you know bringing them high quality leads in many cases on the franchising side of our work. And so, you know, that that's kind of what, what we're looking for and, and how we would advise, you know, an emerging brand towards working with us or not. Well, thank you so much, Jamie, for coming on again, spending a little bit of time this evening uh, with me. For anybody who wants to learn more about the case studies, you guys have tons of case studies um, on your site at allpointspr.com, yeah. allpointspr.com. You got the case studies, you got tons of information about what you guys do and charts that show how you work with the franchisors and I highly recommend people reach out to you. So so thank you for sharing your expertise. Yeah. I, we just wrote three more case studies. Uh, we wrote three more case studies last night. So you did. Um, nice. I don't think they're posted yet because, you know, we got to put them in graphic design now, but the, the writing's been done and they're great stories of, of how our work makes very meaningful differences in, uh, in our clients' businesses. Well, that's fantastic. Keep up the great work and thanks so much for coming on. All right, Josh. Thank you. So I really hoped you enjoyed that interview with uh, Jamie Isaacs. It was so great to catch up with him and really kind of go back and forth a little bit on different theories on marketing. But the thing with Jamie is, is that you get a straight answer and you get an honest response on uh, his philosophies and the philosophies as they relate to the franchise industry. And, you know, I think one thing that this interview uh, proves out is there's just no one right way to do anything. You know, there are multiple ways that you can direct your business uh, to success. I think the important point overall is that you need to be guided by good data and you need to have good people and good companies helping to guide you based on the industry that your franchise is in, based on the marketing sector that they're in and um, the goals of the expansion of the company and the goals of the PR and marketing for the company. So thanks again to Jamie, really a fascinating conversation. And finally, next week, to kind of finish out this series on the Enduring Franchise System, I'm thrilled to be welcoming uh, Jim Donnelly from Restore, a very, very fast-growing franchise company who's going to provide a lot of information, really good information about the value of systems and the value of data and kind of really wrap everything up uh, with a nice bow as we finish uh, this series. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we'll see you next week. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode of Franchise Euphoria. If you enjoyed it, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review. It really helps to get this show out to more and more people. Also, if you have any questions, have ideas for guests or topics, please email me, josh at indiefranchiselaw.com. That's josh at indy, I-N-D-Y, franchiselaw.com. 
And finally, please note that this podcast is for entertainment and educational purposes and is not in any way, shape, or form meant to be any kind of legal advice. If you're seeking legal advice, please contact a lawyer. Have a great one. Happy franchising.